Hi, I'm Lauren Burdett, and you're listening to Life as Spiritual Practice, a podcast where we explore what it's like to experience ordinary aspects of life as ways to connect with the divine. If you are feeling stuck in your spiritual journey and looking for new ways to deepen your relationship with the holy, this might be the inspiration you've been looking for. This is our very first episode, and so today we are flipping the script. Usually, I will be interviewing others about spiritual practices that are significant for them. Today, though, I wanted you to get to know me a bit. I'm joined by my good friend Yael, who will be guiding me through a conversation about listening as spiritual practice. I'm delighted to introduce today's guest host, Yael Allen. Yael holds an MA in Integrative Care from Claremont School of Theology and is a proud alum of Drisha's Bet Midrash, Stanford's Chaplaincy Residency Program, and the SDI New Contemplatives Fellowship. Some of Yael's deep pleasures include drinking lots of strong black coffee, locating amazing thrifting deals, nerding out with quirky podcasts and book binges, and moments of joy and wonder in the body, which I'm hoping she'll join me to share about in a future episode. Yael, welcome. Lauren, thank you so much for the gracious intro, and I'm really excited to be talking with you today. You're welcome. I'm excited too. You know, it seems like only yesterday, but it was actually four years ago that we met at the SDI conference as new contemplatives. Can you believe it? No, I can't (laughs) believe it. And at the... The time has just flown by. Absolutely. Uh, When we met, we were crammed together for only a couple of days in New Mexico. And we had some very deep conversations. And I thought to myself, wow, this woman is going to change my life and change how I view spiritual practice. And I've been very lucky over the past few years to have an ongoing conversation with her about what matters most to us in our spiritual lives. We come from very different traditions. And so the conversation has been really enlightening. And I'm looking forward to talking with my friend about the spiritual practice that she has chosen to share with all of us today. And that is listening. So Lauren, can you tell me what is listening for you? Mm. Well, first, before I answer that, I just want to say... Sure. I just want to say thank you. And that was such a significant weekend for me. And something I remember from that time is that I was brand newly pregnant with Healy, Mm -hmm. had just found out days before I arrived. And you, dear, were the only person I shared that with. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, because I felt such just deep trust of you and such a deep connection. And I admire you so much. And there's few people who are able to draw me out of myself and get me, get me to talk. And you're one of them. So thank you. Thank you for giving me this gift of taking me out of my usual listening posture and into a place of sharing some of my story. It takes a lot of courage, Lauren, to share of yourself Mm. and an admiration of that. Mm. So what is listening to me? Listening, yeah, listening for me is creating space within myself to hear another story. And so listening for me is kind of dropping out of my busy, overactive Mm -hmm. mind into... um, I mean, it it feels like a physical shift. Like I can feel myself moving down into kind of my heart space and, and it's quiet and it is curious and listening is a gift. It is a gift that I offer to another. And it's a gift that I offer to myself because when I listen, I, 
I get to hear the most amazing things. Mm. You know, I, um, yeah, there are few things that I enjoy more than I enjoy listening. So what I hear in your description of listening is that it's a physical space, it's a relational mm. space, and it is a existential and spiritual space. Yeah. That is framed around narrative, giving and receiving. Yes. I'm curious, has this experience of listening changed over the course of your life? Mm. Or does it change with people as well? Yes and yes. Mm. (laughs) Can you tell us more about that? So I, I've always been someone who loves to listen Mm -hmm. and I joke with my husband that, you know, there's fair weather friends Mm -hmm. and I've always joked, I'm a foul weather friend. (laughs) If you're doing, (laughs) if you're doing well, I'm not the most reliable, but if you're having a hard time, I like, I just fly into those spaces. Like I want to be in those spaces. And that has been true um, at least since middle school. Mm. Um, Why middle school? This desire. Um, middle school was hard. Mm. Um, and I would say that that I had experiences of not being heard and not being listened to with friends and broken relationships. Mm. And that's one of the places that my that I really learned to value mm-hmm. good listening. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say I learned it from my parents as well. You know, my mom is a social worker and she worked in private practice mm-hmm. doing counseling my, the whole time I was growing up. And my dad's a great listener. And I would have friends say to me, oh, you're so lucky. You're so lucky that your parents listen so well to you and that they're so open mm-hmm. and I just felt like I am so lucky. I'm lucky for all of who they are. And that's one piece of it. Um, So, so that's where some of my, some of the places where I kind of learned to value listening lie. And then in high school, I would say I realized I was good at it, Mm -hmm. that um, I don't know that people gravitated towards me when they were having a hard time and that and those moments felt holy. Um, becoming a spiritual director and realizing, which happened after my oldest son was born, mm-hmm. and as I had this sense of there's more to my life and mm-hmm. what am I meant to do, and um, what I saw in praying was that the people I was jealous of were my friends who were spiritual directors. Mm. And the idea of getting to sit with another person and just hear their story sounded amazing. Mm. You know, the idea that you could do that. That's what I just did Mm -hmm. anyway. The idea I could do that and, um, and get paid for it. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, it was so exciting. And my formation program then taught me a lot more about listening. And I felt like it developed muscles around, um, around this thing that I loved. Mm. And something that that really helped me with was learning to let myself show up in the conversation mm-hmm. and letting myself be a part of listening. Um, I, but up to that time in my listening, I kind of kept everything I was thinking or feeling to myself. Mm. Um, and created, did a good job creating space, but wasn't necessarily in that space with the person. Mm. And learning that part of listening and part of listening well is, is being yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and, and sharing, you know, reflecting back what you see and what you hear and what's stirred up in you. And that that's okay, you know, that that's okay to give those things voice. Um, yeah, that, that within listening, there is conversation and there is dialogue. 
there's conversation and there's dialogue. And what I hear from you is it's developing the muscle of listening of the courage to mm-hmm. be in the room, but yeah. not to tightly frame the room. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. That's a great way to put it. And that's um, something that I love about spiritual direction Mm -hmm. as opposed to counseling or life coaching um, is that it's a very open and mysterious space. Mm -hmm. And there's not the only goal, you know, when I'm working with an individual, the only goal I'm holding is to deepen their relationship with God, Mm -hmm. which could look like who knows what you know, and, and could unfold in who knows what ways. And so it's, it's a framed space and it's a very loose and mysterious space. So you've used the word mysterious several times. Mm. Hmm. How do you experience mystery within Mm. listening? as a spiritual practice. Yeah. So I would say, first I'd say that mystery is um, one of my favorite maybe names or favorite attributes of the divine. That this sense of we catch glimpses mm-hmm. and we catch glimmers but we never get to hold the whole picture. Um, There will always be more to discover. And within listening and listening to another story, I get to catch glimmers that I wouldn't get to see otherwise. Of particularly around who God is and how God loves and shows up in others' lives. And it's very humbling. Um, It breaks down. It has broken down for me any sense of having things Mm. figured out, um, any sense of having, holding the answers. Um, And so I hear, you know, when I, when I listen to others and both within my work and just within my personal life, when I listen to others, there's often themes in people's lives. You know, there's things that are similar, but there's also always things that are completely unique and completely original and completely, that completely belong to just that person that expand my sense of what love is and what the human heart is capable of and who God is. And it just always feels like such a privilege. And in that breaking down and expanding the sense of Mm -hmm. love and who God is, Mm -hmm. it seems like we're returning and revisiting the invitation into spiritual direction that you received a number of years ago of wishing Mm -hmm. to help others see themselves. You would Mm -hmm. use the word jealousy, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but what I heard was a desire to help. Was the word jealousy yeah. intentional? Um, you know, I, I, that's a good question. I do use it intentionally mm. I, and partly because it's, um, I mean, it's real. I was like, wow, I can't believe they get to do that. I mm-hmm. wish I could do that. And um, I use that word because it surprises people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I often see when I share that, you know, this almost like, um, visceral reaction of like, oh, jealousy. Oh. Um, and it's, 
I think I intended as a teaching moment for, because it has been for me to learn to listen to jealousy, to learn and to learn to listen to other emotions and other feelings that maybe don't feel great. Um, and that maybe I think should be, um, I don't know, I, as a woman, as a Christian, um, there's not, there hasn't been in my life, you know, there wasn't in my life growing up a lot of language around listening to and expressing your emotions as a holy act. And I really strongly believe that our emotions are one of the ways that God moves and speaks to us. And, and they're not all good. You know, not all of my desires are necessarily good, but they all, I won't know unless I listen to them. You know, I won't know unless I listen and allow them to give voice. Um, so, yeah, so I do, I use it intentionally. I say, I, jealousy was a leading emotion and it is a leading emotion for me. And it's, an unspoken invitation to others to think about, hmm, what are your leading emotions? Are there emotions that are trying to teach you something? What might they be trying to teach you? I'm curious. I, I, I So first of all, I'm very inspired by what you describe as a radical hospitality to all of the parts mm. of yourself. I like that language. As teachers. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I'm curious, you know, you, you did give voice to this a bit earlier saying that um, as someone who identifies as a woman and as a Christian, there isn't that mm-hmm. hospitality. Um, mm-hmm. And so to have hospitality is radical and healing and makes spaces for you to encounter the holy um, in ways that you haven't before. And I'm wondering when that shift occurred for you and, and, and was it intentional or was it that just one day it was spontaneous? Okay. I'm going to be curious about (laughs) this feeling that I'm having. (laughs) Hmm. I don't know Um, what comes to mind so before I became a spiritual director I was an industrial engineer Mm -hmm. and worked as a managing consultant for several years and then worked as an operations manager at a small design and digital firm Mm -hmm. in England, medium sized. And one of the things that I really enjoyed in that work was introducing people to serving leadership. Mm -hmm. Um, And I brought that concept to to the design firm I was working at in England. Mm -hmm. And we worked together, the management team worked together through a book study on serving leadership. And there was a lot in that about finding your calling and, you know, finding the thing that you're passionate about doing and helping others. And I was excited about that. I was excited about helping our company Mm -hmm. find that, you know, what is the thing that we are best at Mm -hmm. that we are most passionate about? And what are the things that the people who work here, you know, what are, what does each person most, most desire? Where would they most thrive? And in in that process and asking that question of myself, I was reminded that what something I really wanted to do was right. And beginning to let myself even name that to name, I want to write, um, felt that might've been a place that I started. Um, because that was, that was hard to do. I had set aside, creative writing after high school as it wasn't practical. Um, I wasn't going to make a living at it. I needed hard skills. I wanted to push myself. Um, 
And so I had just completely set it aside. And then to start to name it again, I had this fear and it feels silly now because I'm, I'm was maybe 27 at the time. Um, I was afraid I'd lost my chance. You know, I was afraid it was too late. Um, and it felt childish. It felt childish to, to name it, to name it and want to go back to this thing that I had moved so far beyond. Um, I didn't know how to get back to there. And to just be naming, I want to write, I want to write, I want to write. And to let myself journal that. Mm-hmm. I literally journaled that for years. Um, I want to write. I don't know what to write. I want to write. I don't know what to write. Um, And slowly, slowly got inklings of a novel that I wanted to work on and was working on that and and set it aside um, when my oldest son was born. And it didn't come back. Like that desire then didn't come back until after my third child was born five years later. Um, And it came back in this new form of writing, you know, uniting spiritual direction and writing and motherhood in a book on motherhood as spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, but I would say to get back to your initial question that I think for me that that was where I started to give myself that gift. Mm-hmm. I was good at offering it to other people. I was good at asking other people about their stories and their emotions and their gifts. Um, and it was much harder to do it for myself. What do you think made it harder? I think I've had to learn to not hold myself to different standards than I hold other people to. Mm. Um, I've had to learn to give myself the same grace that I give others. Um, I've... I've had to learn to not be as, um, well, you know, like I talked about with listening and learning to let myself show up to the room. Like I've had to learn to let myself take up space mm-hmm. and be human and make mistakes. What I hear in that is that listening to others allowed you to listen to yourself Mm. and glimpse God in those moments where you were saying I want to write Mm -hmm. even though it's not practical and even though Mm -hmm. I feel like I've missed my chance Does that feel authentic to you or not? Yes, it does. It does. One of the things I'm struck by um, as you talk about your experience of listening to others, listening to yourself, and also listening to God is the way that um, judgment shows up and is transmuted. Mm. Can you say more about that? Um, So, yes, I can. So when you were talking about beginning um, in your spiritual direction practice and even today having glimpses and glimmers of the holy, um, who God Mm. is, um, who God loves, um, and and Mm. breaking down thinking that you have the answers, that 
what, what am I trying to say here? Uh, uh, the presumption would be somewhere we all learn who God is and who God loves. Mm-hmm. And that listening as a spiritual practice has changed what we know on a deep level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how does that change of perception, I guess, rather than judgment, mm-hmm. inform what you love and value and the work that you do in the world? Mm. Does that make sense? I feel like I'm not making sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it makes me, um, I think what that question does is makes me want to tell the story of where, um, when and where my sense of who God, who God is and where I can find God was really broken mm-hmm. down. Um, Please share if you've comfortable. Yeah. So I, I am married to Nick Bardet Mm -hmm. and Nick and I met as freshmen at the university of Pittsburgh. And we started dating pretty quickly. And for both of us, our faith was the most important thing in our lives. And they felt completely incompatible. He was coming from a conservative evangelical family um, that I would say that he came to the relationship not sure if Catholics were quote unquote Christian. Mm. And I was coming from a... um, pretty liberal social justice oriented Catholic family. And my experience with conservative evangelicals up to that point had been them trying to save me. Mm. And so neither of us came in with a lot of trust (laughs) or, or even respect Mm. for the other. And we, we fought, we would fight and we would fight. And then we'd, you know, occasionally we would remember to pray, but we would mostly fight. Um, and after three years of dating and not understanding where the other was coming from and trying, you know, we would make inroads, but we didn't make a lot of progress. Um, I went on semester at sea the summer before my senior year and at sea, there were only a handful of us who um, who identified as Christian, and so it was, there was a small there was a small worship mm-hmm. service, and there was only one option for worship. And so, if I wanted to receive communion, and if I wanted to worship, it had to be with Protestants <laughs> as well as Catholics. Um, and I had to receive that, you know, I, I could choose to not, but I received it. And, um, and it was lovely. It was really lovely. Um, and so I came back from that experience, maybe with my heart more open to him and where he was coming from and a worship service. I went to church with him to the church he usually went to. And there was an announcement about a new worship service starting that was going to be in the emerging church style, quote unquote. And like, yeah, sure, I'll go to that with you. And so we went and that first Sunday, uh, BJ, who's a good friend of ours now, preached on putting God in a box. And he quoted Thomas Martin and he quoted St. Augustine and I had never been in a Protestant setting where I felt like my Catholic faith was honored. Mm. And I thought, I bet Nick hates it. And we came out and I said, what did you think? And he said, I loved it. Mm. And, and I just started crying and it was a very, 
it was very healing for us and finding a spiritual home has been very healing for us. But what God did through all that fighting was show me that I didn't have the answers. You know, I, there was a lot, I had a lot of misconceptions and there were things that Nick could see about who God is and how God is that I couldn't and that he, he was able to show me and vice versa. And it stripped down for me a lot of, um, I don't know, maybe a lot of baggage that I was carrying and it was humbling and it showed me, I don't know how surprising God can be. You know, I find, I found our relationship very surprising and God bringing us together, very surprising. And it set the groundwork of, um, for me of, look, even if, even if I'm not necessarily comfortable with this person, even if there are things about maybe how they profess faith that I disagree with, I have no idea. I have no idea how God shows up in their life. Mm. And if I can get them to tell me, it would be a real privilege. Mm. And that's true. Um, You know, I was lucky enough growing up that um, my best friends were Jewish and I, you know, I loved going to temple with them and I loved um, when I was let into, um, when I was let into their faith practices and I love now, you know, one of my favorite things that I've experienced with SDI's new contemplatives has been my relationship with, um, with Muslims and with Buddhists and with our other friends who are Jewish and with people who are none and who are agnostic and the spiritual world is so big. It is so big and it is so vast. And I feel so privileged every time I get, I get to see a piece of it that I didn't get to see before. And I'm excited. I want to say I'm excited through this podcast to get to invite others into that. And my hope is that this will be a space of practicing listening, you know, to get to practice hearing other people's stories and receive them and receive the wonder of them and receive the places that they're uncomfortable. You know, it's, it's uncomfortable to hear, um, I don't know. It's uncomfortable to hear things maybe outside of your experience. And it can be uncomfortable to hear ways of connecting with God that you've never even thought of. Um, But I hope it'll be good practice and I hope it'll be inspiring. You know, I I hope it'll expand our sense of, of what's possible with God and expand our sense of where, where to expect God to show up in our days. I love how you describe listening as a good practice, a baggage check, and an invitation Mm. into interreligious work and dialogue. Yeah. For perspective and healing and growth. Yeah. I love that language. Listening is baggage check. I've never <laughs> used that phrase before. I love that. Thank you. I feel like I was just paraphrasing what, what you said. Um, yeah. When you were and it's talking. both. I mean, cause it's like, it makes us realize our baggage, right? It makes us realize like, Oh, <laughs> look at that. I didn't know. <laughs> you clearly have exceeded the two items of checked luggage <laughs> and the one carry on. <laughs> in order to be able to receive things outside of your experience yes you have to have some empty luggage (laughs) (laughs) or at least you know repacked luggage (laughs) that's right don't let it spill out into the aisle (laughs) (laughs) yeah 
but it's okay to leave it at security. (laughs) (laughs) So if it's okay, I'd like to loop Mm -hmm. back around. So you talk about this podcast, the whole idea of this podcast as a practice. So, and, and you've described your own experience of practicing listening as deepening internally, making Mm -hmm. space, um, the sensory experience of hearing through your ears, Mm -hmm. the emotional and relational choice to be curious. Mm. And I, I'm wondering for, for those of us who may not have grown up or are in environments that have a culture of listening mm-hmm. um, or, you know, are listening to this podcast and are like, oh, Listening as a spiritual practice. That sounds really cool, but I'm I'm not sure how I could ever do that. Mm. Um how how can they engage with this kind of spiritual practice? Yeah, that's a good question. Um I First, let's say I do think that listening to this podcast is a great place to start and to, as you listen to the upcoming episodes, to um, maybe think beforehand, think before you start, say, okay, I'm going to receive this person's story. I'm going to make space to receive this story. And if you can breathe and center down. And you could even, um, I'm going to describe some ways to prepare for listening that both apply, you know, you could use for the podcast, but you could use with others. Um, Imagine a space within you. Like one of my favorite phrases for listening is interior hospitality. And Can you imagine a space in your heart or within your soul where you receive someone? And what might that space look like? You know, what what would you want to have available for the person you receive? Like, do you want cozy chairs? Do you want a big couch? Do you want a window? (laughs) Do you want bookshelves? Do you want low lighting or natural light? You know what? What does good listening What does it feel like to you when you are heard? And what could it be like to craft a space that holds that hearing? Mm -hmm. Um, With the podcast, once you make that space and you listen, let yourself notice um, what is stirred up in you because that's part of good listening is noticing what is stirred up for you and notice where you're uncomfortable and notice where you're curious and notice where you're excited and notice where you get bored. Um, and just, huh, just, just notice those. And if you have time after you listen, you know, give yourself space to maybe journal or ponder or pray about, what, what was stirred up with me? What do I remember? And what might that mean? What in that, um, yeah, you know, what, what does that say to me? Um, because listening is, I keep saying this, you know, it's a gift for someone else and it's a gift for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and another place to, another way to practice would be to wonder about is there someone whose story you would love to hear? Like, think about the people in your life. Is there anyone that you're like, wow, I really wonder how they do it. Or I wonder what got this person into that job. Or 
I don't know. I wonder why she has that tattoo. <laughs> or I wonder if his laugh has always been that loud. You know, it can be anything. Um, and take that curiosity and, you know, and ask that person for a conversation. And, and just practice. I don't know, Yael, how does that sound? What? I am in awe of you. I loved the <laughs> short meditation that you brought all of us on. Mm. Really finding that heart space yeah. to invite someone in. I know you mentioned, how, how does the space look? How does it feel? Are there comfy chairs? Mm. And it got me to thinking about listening as um, emotionally informed of the people mm. that I want in that heart space mm. are people that are not going to do me harm. Yes. And I think for me as a yes. beginning practitioner who is still every day learning how to listen, and I would not say I have approached uh, the point at which it is a spiritual practice of um, I have to, to start small with mm. the people that I feel like would not judge me for asking, why does your tattoo look like that? <laughs> or mm -hmm. where, where did you learn to laugh and fill up the room with laughter? Mm. That part of listening is being vulnerable and being safe to be vulnerable. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm so glad you said that because that is so important, you know, both in terms of um, starting small, starting with people who are safe and the importance of safety and listening. And it is vulnerable, you know, it's, we're talking about opening up mm -hmm. our inner spaces. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's vulnerable. And um, yeah, I'm just thinking about how important it is to listen to your inner wisdom and to have good boundaries. Um, my boundaries around listening are really important to me. And I'd say that that's a gift that spiritual direction has given me is these boundaried relationships is if I know the boundaries of the space I'm listening in, I can be much more vulnerable. Mm -hmm. um, and also not everyone is safe. Mm -hmm. Not everyone. Um, boy, there have only been a handful of times that I have felt like my listening has been um, taken advantage of mm -hmm. and used. And when it happens, I feel I don't always, it takes a while for that to play out. But when it happens, I feel so sick. Like I feel physically sick. I feel physically queasy. And the sense of like, what is going on? Um, and yeah, I'm just thinking like, as I, I, I think listening is a beautiful gift. And I think it's something that our world needs more of. And it's something I want to invite us into. And I don't want to invite anyone to be taken advantage of. You know, I don't want to invite anyone to be in a situation that is uncomfortable or unhealthy. And so listen, you know, listen to yourself about if there's someone whose story you don't want to hear, that's listen to that wisdom. You know, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It makes absolute sense. And what I also heard is it's important to set boundaries. Yeah. So how does someone who's beginning to learn how to listen set boundaries? Mm. Is it simply saying, I'm only going to talk to people who I feel safe with? Mm. Or, or is it in how one ranges their interior space? I mean, what, what exactly are good boundaries in listening so that it can truly be a spiritual, healing, connective practice? 
Yeah. It's the first thing that comes to mind is that it's an individual discernment, right? Is that um, to start with listening to yourself and what what your needs are. Um, that to take risks when you're ready to take risks, to, you know, invite a story that's surprising when you're ready to invite a story that's surprising. Um, boundaries around time and physical mm-hmm. space can be really helpful, I think. Um, you know, if there's someone who is going through a hard time and you want to be there for them, mm-hmm. but you only have so much time, you know, that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay to say, I I am free from this time to this time. Mm-hmm. Can we talk, you know? Um, can we meet in this place where I know that mm-hmm. I'm comfortable? Like this physical place. Um, yeah. yeah. And I will say when I'm mm-hmm. full, I'll say, I'll say that's, I, I can't take in anymore right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's okay too. You know, it's okay to draw it to a close. Mm-hmm. Um, listening is not always, is not forever open-ended. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. (laughs) It it definitely resonates uh, with me of um, the idea of trusting yourself and that there are limited resources to your own time and space and vulnerability and comfort. Um, Yeah. And in order to be able to give to others you also need to receive and have a space for yourself yes and that means that listening is not open-ended so I just I want to thank you so much for the ways in which you've guided us through many practice and given us pointers Mm -hmm. on how to become better listeners Before we close this uh, podcast out, I want to just ask you, is there anything about listening as a spiritual practice that I didn't ask you about that I should have? Mm. I don't think so. I feel like you've asked such, such deep and beautiful questions and drawn things out of me that, that have surprised me. Um, I think the only thing I want to add is that, um, as you, as we practice listening, it's okay for it to feel hard. Um, I don't want to sound like a Pollyanna around listening, you know, and it's just, oh, it's so great. It's so good. It's so beautiful. And, and it is, I mean, I, I truly think it is and, and it's hard and it can unveil uncomfortable things in us and it can tire us and it can, um, yeah, I, I want to be clear about the fullness of it. And I think that's true. I, I want to say, I think that's true for all of our spiritual practices that yes, you know, ways to connect with God can be so good and joyful and life-giving and they can be really hard mm-hmm. and challenging and, um, and that's just, that's just part of the fullness of life. Um, and so I hope, you know, I'm thinking about, someone listening to this and feeling inspired to listen. And wow, I hope, I hope that this leads to deep conversations that wouldn't have happened otherwise. And if it does, and that conversation is uncomfortable or challenging or hard, great. That's part of it. You know, don't be scared to not try again. But that's what I hear in that is the courage 
to keep listening. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we have dove very deeply with you today on mm-hmm. listening as creating interior space to mm-hmm. hear each other's stories, to move into quiet, curious places where we mm-hmm. can glimpse and see glimmers of the holy, mm-hmm. of who God is and how God loves, that can change ourselves, can change our relationships with others, and change how we see and interact with God in the world. And that that being the most powerful tool that we have in deepening any spiritual practice. Yeah, Al, thank you so much for your hospitality to me and for drawing me out of myself. And listeners, thank you for exploring with us today. I hope that today's conversation inspires you to play with spiritual practices in your daily life. If you do, I'd love to hear about it. You can reach me via my website, laurenburdett.com. If you enjoyed the conversation, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. That will help other listeners to find us. And finally, our amazing music is from the album Solace by the band This Side of Eve. You can find this song and all of their music at thissideofeve.bandcamp.com. I'll be back next week with a new conversation. Thanks again.